Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover, and with me is our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. We're returning to our series, Eden to Eden, God's Relentless Pursuit of Us. On today's program, the sixth and final episode in this series, we're considering how God is in pursuit of dwelling with us eternally. Yes, Steve, you know, my prayer this entire time has been that our listeners uh, might have a better understanding of God's pursuit of them and and his desire to uh, bring them back to a place where he can dwell with us. And today we're talking about God's return, his return to repair, his return to restore and resurrect what was once ruined by sin and to really return us as well to Eden. Then I'll be sharing about the Palestinians' perpetual no toward peace with the Israelis. But first I want to share with you some news. Saudis and Egyptian officials have hinted to establishing a future Palestinian capital outside of Jerusalem. That's right, outside of Jerusalem, to help advance peace with the Israelis. However, Palestinian leadership rejects any such proposal and is mulling over the idea of sacrificing the Oslo peace agreement with Israelis over East Jerusalem. Well, well, here's my take. U.S. recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital was an opportunity for the Palestinian leadership to say they were legitimate partners for peace by accepting reality. But instead, Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas continues to say no, pushing an agenda that makes Palestinian leadership look out of touch and irrelevant. I want to share something with you. I think most people have the wrong idea about what heaven is. Uh, I'm sure if you were to tell someone to draw what heaven looks like, most people would sketch a cloud and a person with wings and a halo resting very comfortably um, and uh, they're playing their harp. It's an image that most people have about heaven, this cloud, a halo, a person with a harp, and, and, and this concept that when you die, you know, you go up. And, and technically, that's not wrong. The Apostle Paul does, says to be, uh, does say to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. However, heaven in God's grand plan is not the picture of your spirit going up to God. When you study the Bible, you see something quite astounding— While most people think heaven is up, the Bible reveals quite the opposite. Heaven is coming down. Starting in the beginning, God's presence came down to be with Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis chapter 2. God's presence came down to the Israelites in the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 40 and in uh, in the temple in 1 Kings chapter 8. When Jesus the Messiah came to earth 2,000 years ago, Paul shares in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus left the very presence of God the Father. He emptied himself coming down to earth to take on the form and likeness of a man. Also, Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 25 that one day in the future, we will see the Son of Man. That's him. Jesus is the Son of Man coming in his glory. Jesus promised to return to earth, to come down from heaven, to sit on a throne and rule his kingdom for a thousand years. But it's important to see Jesus is coming down. 
And finally, in Revelation chapter 21, at the very end of the Bible, there's the image of the new heavens and the new earth and a new Jerusalem coming down from out of heaven. Just listen to Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 3. The apostle John writes this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Folks, the biblical story doesn't have us going up to God to live with him forever. It's actually the other way around. God is striving to bring his presence back to earth. And this is such an important concept to understand that even when Jesus is talking about eternal life in the book of John, He wasn't referencing the idea of us just going into heaven forever, going up. He was actually referring back to a passage in Daniel chapter 12, uh, uh, talking about this idea of resurrection, a resurrected life on earth and God's presence dwelling in their midst. And that's what I want to shed light on today. There is a word that is used throughout the Bible. And for me, it kind of acts like a string that binds all of the books of the Bible together. And that word is dwell. In Exodus chapter 40, when God came down to the tabernacle, it says he dwelled in the tabernacle. In 1 Kings chapter 8, it says that God came down and dwelled in the temple. Check this out. In the New Testament, in John chapter uh, 1 verse 14, It says that the word, that's Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelled among us. That's the same word that was used to describe God's dwelling in the tabernacle and the temple. And finally, at the end of the Bible, when John sees the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, it says this in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Friends, this whole series has been about God's pursuit to bring us back to the Garden of Eden. And I want to challenge you, if this is your first time, if you're catching the tail end of our series here, uh, and this is your first time uh, listening to our Eden to Eden series, I want to encourage you to go to foiradio.org, and there you can hear all of the uh, episodes that are connected to our Eden to Eden series. But this whole entire series has been about God's desire, God's desire to bring us back to the Garden of Eden. And, And when we talk about the Garden, we are talking about a place where God can dwell with his creation without anything standing between us. We are talking about God mending the once broken relationship that was created by Adam and Eve, the the sin that separated and created a chasm between us and God, a broken relationship that resulted in mourning and suffering and death and pain. But in the future, when God returns, 
returns. That's why this whole section here is called the return, Eden to Eden, the return, that when God returns to dwell, Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 shows us that when God brings his physical presence to earth as he dwells in the New Jerusalem, this it, it creates a beautiful picture of what really the Garden of Eden was supposed to look like. The, the New Jerusalem of Revelation chapter 21 will essentially be the Garden of Eden. It's a place where God meets with his creation. It's the place where heaven and earth meet one another. And, and I love what it says here. It says, behold, the dwelling place of God, Revelation chapter one, uh, 21 verses 3 and 4. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4, listen to this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. When God dwells in our midst, there's a few things that happen. The first is this, the former things pass away. The crying, the mourning, the pain, death, all of it is consumed in his presence when he dwells in our midst. Those former things are transformed with an abundance of joy and peace and tranquility that are found only in Jesus, the Messiah. When God dwells in our midst, I want you to think about this. The prophetic event that we look forward to, God dwelling in our midst, we will no longer walk by faith. Think about this. We will walk by what? Sight. Faith is the ability to trust in something you cannot see. Faith is the assurance and conviction of the things that we hope for that we cannot see. Well, what happens when those things we hope for become reality? Then your faith becomes sight. And that's exactly what happens the day God returns to earth to dwell with his creation. Our faith will be made sight. And finally, think about this. When, when God comes to dwell in our midst, we'll experience him in all of his fullness. You know, I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. He says this, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. When, when Christ returns, Paul is saying, when God establishes himself here and dwells with us here, Paul is saying, we will no longer experience him through reflection. Instead, we will revel in the fullness of seeing God face to face. And to see God face to face will enrapture, enlighten, and engage worshipers in a way that is undefinable in human terms. And I love what Paul says, we will know fully as we have been fully known. Here's the last thing I want you to see as we end this series, Eden to Eden. In our first program, we talked about the Garden of Eden, and at the center of it was the tree of life. And after Adam and Eve sinned, they were cut off from the garden, and they were prevented, physically prevented, from returning. And yet in Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter of the Bible, at the center of the New Jerusalem, is the tree of life. 
a perfect bookend to God's redemptive story in the Bible. God brings us back into his presence, into a full and abundant relationship with him. He brings us back to Eden. And it's amazing to think that throughout the course of human history, God has been actively pursuing, and I would dare even say fighting, to be with you and me. And instead of waving his hands in the air and leaving us to wither in our own sins, God has been working to repair. He's been working to restore. He's been working to resurrect what sin has ruined. There is no better picture in my eyes than of God's grace found in his relentless pursuit to bring us back into his presence, to bring us back to Eden. And I can think of no better way to end this series than to simply say, amen and come Lord Jesus. The Friends of Israel's very first executive director, Dr. Victor Buxbazen, was not only a tremendous leader, he was a renowned author. That's why we're resurrecting his book, They Called Her Miriam, The Virgin of Nazareth. Dr. Buxbazen strips away the stereotypes, legends, myths, dogma, and misplaced piety that comes with the name Mary and restores to readers her Hebrew name, Miriam, connecting us to the real historical scriptural image of the mother of our Savior. I want to encourage you to go to foiradio.org, or you can call our listener line 888-343-6940 to order your copy of They Called Her Miriam, the Virgin of Nazareth. Again, that's 888-343-6940 or foiradio.org. No, no, and no. These are words spoken from the mouth of President Mahmoud Abbas when, with a stroke of his pen, President Trump recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, vowing to relocate the United States embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And Trump said, today, we finally acknowledge the obvious, that Jerusalem is Israel's capital, and this is nothing more or less than a recognition of reality. It's also the right thing to do. Now, Abbas's response to President Trump's decision is, of course, no. He also doubled down on his response by calling for a day of rage in the West Bank, Gaza, and East Jerusalem, even though Trump promised recognition and relocation would not dissolve uh, any potential peace deal between the Palestinians and Israelis. Trump argued this, we want an agreement that is a great deal for the Israelis and a great deal for the Palestinians. We are not taking a position of any final status issues, including specific boundaries of the Israeli sovereignty in Jerusalem or the resolution of contested borders. Those questions are up to the parties involved. 
However, not much longer after Trump said those words, Turkish President Erdogan summoned the 57-member Organization of Islamic Cooperation, the OIC, to Istanbul, Turkey at the end of 2017 to discuss the repercussions of the United States' recognition of Jerusalem. And during the meeting, Abbas threatened that until the day Jerusalem is recognized as the capital of a future Palestinian state, there will be no peace or no stability with Israel. Now, listen, this is not the first time Palestinians have said no to peace. Palestinian leadership has a actual very long history of saying no to peace. They said no in 1947 to the United Nations partition plan that actually promised them a future Palestinian state alongside Israel. They said no in 1967 to any peace negotiations or recognition of Israel after the Six-Day War and Israel's recapture of Jerusalem. They said no in 2000 when Israel offered them 97% of the West Bank as a future Palestinian state and East Jerusalem as the capital. They said no in 2008 when Israel offered them 93% of the West Bank plus land swaps, which would have totaled 100%. That's 70 years, my friends, of the Palestinian leadership responding to Israeli peace with no. Imagine how different the Middle East would look if the Palestinians replied with yes instead of no. If the Palestinians said yes to the partition plan in 1947 by accepting Israel as their neighbor in the region, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict as we know it could look totally different or even non-existent. Imagine if the Palestinians said yes to recognizing Israel, negotiating with them, and seeking a peace with them after the Six-Day War in 1967. Friends, peace could have been realized decades ago. Israel has proven with Egypt and Jordan that establishing peace with past enemies is a priority and definitely possible. If the Palestinians said yes to either one of Israel's offers to the land in 2000 or 2008, a Palestinian state in the West Bank could have been established and East Jerusalem would have been its capital. Imagine, again, imagine if the Palestinians said yes to Jerusalem being the capital of Israel in 2017, respecting truth and accepting reality. A yes response would have put Israel in the position to pursue peace with the Palestinians. And yet, sadly, Israel's neighbors in the Middle East return time and time again to their canned response, their perpetual no to anything, the perpetual no to anything that validates a Jewish presence in Israel, a Jewish presence in the West Bank, a Jewish presence in Jerusalem. The perpetual no that prolongs conflict, the perpetual no that promotes terror, and the perpetual no that produces nothing by way of peace. After 70 years of no, President Abbas would be wise to change his tune. If he would say yes, it would be a game changer for the Palestinian leadership's public persona as serious partners in creating lasting peace with the Israelis. But my friends, for now, they have staked their reputation on no. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor, Svi Kalisher. 
Israel is a small country, and at times we feel as if we are sheep among wolves. But even though we are small, we remain strong because the Lord is with us. Most people living in Israel, both Jews and Arabs, do not know the Lord. We believers are God's witnesses to tell them of that love. One day, some of my Arab neighbors came to my home extremely upset, saying, how can we receive Bibles when they include the New Testament? They were very confused, so I said, before you receive the Bible, I will explain it to you if you wish. They agreed and appreciated my help. I then opened my New Testament and told them how to put their faith in the Lord Jesus. The mention of that name surprised them, and they asked, How can you speak about Jesus? You are a Jew. So began a long discussion about faith in the Lord Jesus and the difference between faith by the sword and faith by love. I told them, Your faith comes by the sword, and those who do not believe as you do are killed. God has given freedom to every creature. He has said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31.3 One Arab remarked, God said that only to the people of Israel. I quickly turned to John 3.16 to prove that God's love is available to all nations, including the Arabs. It is written, You shall love your neighbor as yourself, Mark 12.31. It does not say love the Jew or the American, but not the Arab. Then they wanted to know how I came to believe in the Lord, since I am Jewish. I replied, Our faith did not come from propaganda literature or by force, but by God's mercy and love. You as Arabs came to me a Jew, and I received you as my best friends, even though I know you hate me with all your hearts. But the Lord said we are to love those who hate us and pray for them because love is of God. Still not understanding what I meant, one asked, Why do you serve in the army if you love your enemies? I explained, I serve because I am a citizen of Israel. Even Jesus said, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Matthew twenty-two twenty-one. I then related an incident that occurred during the 1967 Six-Day War. I went to the home of a wealthy Arab family and found gold and diamonds worth millions of dollars. The owners were afraid I would take their possessions, but I assured them, I am only looking for guns and ammunition. But if a soldier who was not a believer had come to search your home, your possessions would have been taken." As I finished my story, I explained to my guests, this is the big difference between those who believe in Jesus and those who do not. And it does not matter if they are Jews, Arabs, or any other nationality. They did not believe my story. So I offered to take them to the home of this Arab family so that they could ask them about it themselves. But they finally accepted the fact that even war cannot break our love for our enemy because the love of our Savior is in us. Please pray that these Arab neighbors and the thousands of other Arabs in Israel will be reached with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ.
The impact of Zvi's life and ministry in Israel continues to inspire. Zvi's ministry in Israel lives on through his family today and has encouraged many of our Friends of Israel workers around the world to continue ministering to the Jewish community. When you give to the Friends of Israel, your donation allows us to advance the gospel of our Messiah Jesus. You can visit foiradio.org and click on our donate link. Also, let us know where you're listening when you contact us. Chris, we've spent several weeks looking at God's pursuit of us during your series, Eden to Eden. Any parting thoughts on this subject as we close? Yeah, one thing that always comes across is the idea of God's grace and how he pursues us even though we don't deserve it. He's pursued us from the Garden of Eden way back in the beginning of Genesis all the way through to the end of the book of Revelation. And I can't think of anything greater than to show God's grace in how he pursues us. A quick reminder, you can purchase your copy of Miriam, the Virgin of Nazareth, at our website. Visit foiradio.org, foiradio.org, or contact us on our listener line at 888-343-6940. That's 888-343-6940. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.